Well, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss trials, temptations, and the power that we have over them in Christ Jesus. We also spent some time answering some really great questions this week, so we're so grateful for all of you who sent those questions in to us for this episode. And before we get any deeper into this episode, I do want to share that we've got a special bonus podcast coming out this Thursday. And so in just a few days, we'll be dropping a podcast right here on this thread that is a raw and honest conversation uh, with some members here at Quad City who have walked through trials and, and of many kinds and are choosing obedience and perseverance in the midst of it is a, like I said, a, a raw and real conversation that I think many of you are going to benefit a whole lot from. So be sure to look out for that episode this Thursday. And if you're tuning in with us today, but haven't yet listened to the message from this past Sunday, go ahead and pause this episode now and listen to that first before continuing on as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. And last but not least, if you do ever have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we hope you join us at quadcity.church slash podcast where you can submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. We're good back. Good morning. Got a different uh, space today. We're in upstairs, not downstairs. It's kind of throwing me off a little. My chair height's different. Mm. Usually I'm down a little lower and slouching a little bit, but no, today I, we're in Josh's office. I'm be honest, I like it. I could put my elbows on the table. Yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. I feel like this is how the mics are supposed to be. Like taller into my face. It is better that way. Yeah, it does feel like the mic setup is a little bit better. I feel like no one who's listening cares at all about where we're doing. Probably not. Um, (laughs) I think they're intrigued. I don't think they are. They could be. You don't know. (laughs) We did take the podcast on the road. We did. That was different, though. I didn't listen to that one. How did that turn out? Did you guys listen to it? Yeah, nice. Interesting. Cool. Um, Jason, you've got a news article for us since you're the only one of the three of us that actually reads the news. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) You want to read the news? No. All right. Twitter. So, Josh, these are your people. How'd you pick up your How'd you pick up your newspaper with it being so wet out this morning? (laughs) Stop. You still get a newspaper? No. Uh, (laughs) It was an old man joke. I know, but I. I mean, that's why I asked. You get a newspaper. So these are your people, Josh. Pause that. This is your people. Okay. Where did you live for the last two years before you moved to? Richmond, Kentucky. And how far is that from Fayette County? Uh, from Fayette County is not as far. From Lexington, it's that's a whole different people group, and you know it. All right. So, <laughs> so here we go. I have blue collar. Lexington is kind of white collar. All right. So here's the headline. Kentucky City beams message into space, inviting est- extraterrestrial visitors. So the article says that a Kentucky city has come up with an out-of-this-world campaign to promote tourism. The Lexington Convention and Visitors Bureau used an infrared laser to beam a message into space to invite extraterrestrial travelers. And here's the message. The first thing you'll notice as you descend through Earth's atmosphere above central Kentucky is the lush green countryside that surrounds Lexington's vibrant city center. That's our famous bluegrass. It it goes on to describe the gentle rolling hills, horse farms, and bourbon before suggesting places to stay and eat and shop. So there you go. Where did it say to eat? Tally Ho's on there? I don't know. I don't know. So... There you go. Uh, I, I extraterrestrial saw, visitors to Lexington. So I got a couple of things. One, 
I mean, if they just hold out this tourist place, like Keeneland opens in a couple weeks. Well, oh, yeah. What is it? January, uh, March. So it opens in March. We get spring meets here pretty soon. That runs us right into the Derby. We're going to have plenty of visitors. I don't think we need to be this desperate. All <laughs> <laughs> right. What kind of money are they spending from if you're coming? How, how does this help how your are, tourists? Certainly, awesome. certainly, they're on the Bitcoin already. <laughs> they're crypto? <laughs> certainly. Got it. Yeah. So, second question is our thought. Because people do wonder, like, are we alone? Are we not alone? Right? What if we're not? Mm. What does that do? like? What does that do for? Does it change anything? I don't know. And did Jesus die for them? Oh, now you're taking this. We were just trying to have a nice, lighthearted conversation here. We got some rednecks in Kentucky beaming laser messages into space. I'm talking about bourbon. and I'm going to be positive that it's not some rednecks. That's kind of what I was beaming thinking. Beaming lasers. Because yeah. they're beaming something, but it ain't laser. Like they're, I'm not saying they're not intuitive or ingenuity enough to get a light of some kind. But it's going to be a way different message. Okay, you're, it's true. All right, it says the effort was led by Lexington native Robert Lauder, who is an expert in computer engineering, yep. astrobiology, and search for extraterrestrial intelligence. So he's not a tobacco farmer. Yeah, that feels much closer to what I was envisioning. It wasn't quite the, uh, the no. redneck farmer. No. It was much more the UK grad in whatever and, technology. And I'm going to be honest, like, the redneck guy would have been like, Hey man, don't come down here. <laughs> He's got his twelve gauge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you dare step foot on this property, <laughs> not son. enough jobs for the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> you, they're closing factories down all over the place. I ain't got time for this. So don't you come down here. Cause no problem. Uh uh-uh. uh That's hilarious. I did think for a second. What if like this was the thing? You know, this funny, silly, probably what is? I would imagine for them to put it as a news article. You know, some sort of funny publicity stunt for the city of Lexington. This is this is the AP. So yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. What if like that was the thing that would spark a intergalactical conflict? And like now all of a sudden, 6 months from now, we have this thing that's a problem for us and it all came from Lexington, Kentucky. I'd be disappointed. I would be too. <laughs> I, I would be all so be. disappointed in us. He probably goes to your old church. It's a good chance. There's a lot to do. So I know. It's a real good chance. I mean, I just, people are really like, the Vegas stuff is what set it off. That there, like six months ago, there was all of these videos from Las Vegas. You see those? No, but I saw some of the Miami stuff too. Yeah, is the that, Miami with the, with, the, with the mall and the big creatures. And I don't know with, much about any of this. Yeah, so I, we're, we're getting into some territory here that I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, but again, I'm just, like, it's like, it's wild how, like what feels like sane normal people are obsessed with this like wanting to know like is there someone else out like i don't know if it changes anything for me well the the james webb telescope changed everything like yeah, every but- time we look out there's more stuff that's the thing it's just getting bigger and but i'm not surprised by that no 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 but it just, I think, people come to rec- recognition that that just how minute our little planet is in the grand scheme of everything. That is true. It's also funny, though, because this stuff's been going on, like stuff like this has been going on for decades. There's, I mean, the Lights Over Phoenix thing. Do you guys remember seeing that? Uh-uh. So there was, um, I was just looking it up to try to figure out when it was. It was like 25, 26 years ago. Uh, there were a bunch of random lights over the city of Phoenix that kind of like slowly moving lights. There's some videos of them. It looked like, um, what's the thing? Uh, the SpaceX thing. Starlink? Have yeah. you guys ever seen that? Yeah. For videos of that? It looked like that, but before... That existed. Yeah, before any of that was real. Um, and people freaked out for a long time. About people in Phoenix still kind of freak out about that. So it's been happening forever. And mm. it feels like, to me anyways, like, man, this has been going on for a while. We still don't really know anything more than we knew back then. So uh, it seems inconsequential. That's, that's kind of my take. Like, we're not getting any. Maybe we are. Maybe there's secrets that are being hidden. I just, I don't know what it changes for me. So say there are. Okay. Well, we're going to get there. Bourbon dollars. That's, that's. You know what? They just want to be on the front lawn. What? 
it affirms all of the people in the extremist camp that, that is has believed true. this forever. Oh, that's very true. Mm. I think that's what it changes. Ugh. <laughs> Kentucky right. don't do it to us. <laughs> Kentucky is the, they're going to get those tourist dollars there oh, in Kentucky. Man. They're going to get them aliens riding horses. It's going to be great. <gasps> I wonder if they're like the size of the Rockies. <laughs> what if they Are changed to the Derby forever? Oh, I'll be really upset. <laughs> I just watched the other night, the, the last two Triple Crown winners. Mm. Because, oh, let's talk about this. So, yeah. I know this is, I know some of you like sports, some of you don't like sports, but. So Sports Illustrated mm-hmm. just laid off their entire staff. Wow. Yeah, whole staff. So somebody posted, what were the most iconic uh, covers that you remember? LeBron at, LeBron, at a high school. At high school. Yeah. There are, and so it got, then somebody posted the Derby ones, like the, yeah. the Triple Crown, American Pharaoh, Justify. So I got done a rabbit hole watching the horse racing stuff. But it did make me think about it. There's, I mean, there's been some awesome like Sports Illustrated covers. There's a great Tiger one, a bunch of great Tiger ones. Yeah. But there was the iconic one with the red with polo. The red, oh, oh, yeah, the hand was, in the air. Oh, yeah. Like, but it was such a big part of like my childhood and sports growing mm-hmm. up. Like, two, oh yeah, you got the Sports Illustrated. You got to see the cover. Who was going to be on the cover? It was mm-hmm. like a really big deal. So somebody was like, "Man, I hope they put in the archive all of these incredible covers." And so again, I just started thinking about man, what we've seen in the Jordan, the last shot. Was oh. one of the covers. Like, it's just some yeah. epic stuff that has happened just in our lifetime that these journalists have done a great job, like, grabbing pictures of. What, um, are, so are they out of print? Are they? I don't know. I think they got bought out, and then apparently they laid their entire, one of their staff teams off. And so I'm sure it'll be like a, are they going to redo how they're doing it? Like, I'm sure all that stuff. But it was, it was just really interesting. Um, and again, like I said, because it got me thinking about all these covers. The LeBron one is instant. Yeah, that was the first one that came to mind, which yeah. is funny because I'm not a huge LeBron fan. Yeah. I didn't even think about the Jordan one. Obviously, that would have been, I mean, I, I would have been yeah. real young. But um, yeah, the the LeBron one as a high school senior or whatever he was, yeah. 17, 18 years yeah. old. And then the uh, the Tiger one. Yeah, the, the Tiger the Masters. one was epic. Um, it, did you guys ever see the movie Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Stiller movie ben Stiller, came out. Yeah. I just looked it up real quick. Came out in 2000. 2013. I remember seeing it. It's not like a great movie. Like the acting's not awesome. When I saw it for the first time, though, it's one of my favorite movies <clears throat> uh, because the uh, cinematography is gorgeous. I mean, they did a be- beautiful job shooting that movie. The colors are incredible. Um, some of the scening is, is really, really well done. Uh, but in that movie, the whole storyline is Life Magazine uh, is going out of existence and the whole story arc is like moving towards the last print. So that's almost yeah. immediately. And they did this whole cool, like how do you in encapsulate the story of life in one last print piece of print media. And obviously print media across, you know, all industries right. is on a crazy decline right now, especially when you look at small, like, um, uh, sports specific magazines are almost all extinct at this point and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it is a really interesting idea to see, hey, I wonder what Sports Illustrated, obviously it's it's largely digital now anyways, but what it'll become. Yeah, I was just looking at some of them. Uh, the first one was the Miracle, the oh. the uh, USA team. Was that won. 1982? What, when was that? I don't know, Jason, you were alive then. 80. There 80? you go. 80. Yeah, but again, just some iconic moments. I always think about these things, you know, like the... That was a great movie too. You guys ever watch Miracle? I did not. Patrick, oh. uh, Patrick Swayze. These are all really happy. Is it Patrick Swayze? Who's the coach? <laughs> Kurt Russell. No. <laughs> Who is the coach that plays it? But it's like a known not, person. Not Patrick Swayze, though. Uh, don't put it. It is. A, I'm going to look it up. 2004, it came out. What are we looking at here? Um, <sighs> I know Jason probably didn't seem happy. <laughs> it is. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. There, there it is. <clears throat> All right. We can, now we can move on. Yeah, sorry. Sorry <laughs> to get us on a, a tangent there. But again, I just, I don't want to talk about it. It is like the thing though. I mean, you grow up. I was right on the cusp to where like, I, probably most people my age didn't do a ton of print media, didn't have a ton of magazines, maybe when they were real young. But, uh, you know, in I'm a climber and the common story for rock climbers is like, oh, I saw this picture in this magazine, this outside magazine one time. And it was a guy rock climbing and I grew up in the Midwest and we didn't have mountains anywhere near us. And it was like that thing was the reason I wanted to move out West and 
learn how to rock climb. Yeah. So that's powerful. Print yeah. media is really powerful. It so. is. It does do a really good job. So, I mean, I know you're, you love print media, so you should be <laughs> way more into this. <laughs> Brenda said you, you still get a paper. You guys are. I don't know if you still get a paper. Kids. That was a joke. You probably don't. <laughs> um, plenty, plenty of our people do, I'm sure, though. So we, uh, let's move on. <laughs> What's well, Sunday? Uh, we were in uh, week two of Beyond Belief, our series uh, through the book of James. And um, yeah, James chapter one, verses 13 through 18 is where we camped out for the most part, or really through 17. We'll talk a little bit about 18 um, today because we didn't quite get to it. And Jason, I know there was some stuff there that you wanted to chat about. But uh, before we dig into that, felt like a, a you know high response weekend. I know we I got a lot of comments about this weekend, this idea of, Trials and temptations, and uh, and the role that um, uh, the devil, the flesh, and the world play in that. Um, what what were you guys hearing on Sunday? What conversations were you having? What stood out to you? Yeah, so last night at my house, where um, so our kids have you know some chores that they have to do, um, just basic ones. It's pretty new concept. They always had to do stuff. We were, we got more structured with it. Anyways, needless to say. So it was Judah's day to do the dishwasher. So you got to unload the dishwasher, put them up. And like, he didn't want to do it. So he's like, Silas, man, will you help me do the, you know, unload the dishwasher? And like Dinah and I hear, I'm like, don't ask Silas. Because Silas is our third and he by nature is a helper and we'll just help. That's who he is. So we try like to not take advantage of that. Even like me yeah. and Dinah are like, hey, I don't want to take advantage of his heart that he wants to serve and do that kind of stuff. So I'm like, Judah, no, this is your chore. You do the work. Diana goes, Judah, didn't you listen Sunday? And I was, or today, she was like, this is your flesh. Your flesh is trying to cause you to sin. It's enticing you to not do the right thing. You need to do the right thing. And I was like, and it was that, comp- because they are, they're in preteen and they do the same message, yeah. Yeah. which is, again, part of our reasoning behind yeah, it is yeah, yeah. so that it's we really all can have these conversations. But it was so funny. She was like, dude, that is your flesh. And it is trying to get you to do the wrong thing. Mm. And you need to do the right thing. So it was really cool. Like a, for for me, as the a, a, like just hearing that conversation of like, this is how you bring in like what we talk about in church in a very real way. Yep. And he was like, all right, I'll do it. You know, like not happy about it. <laughs> but it was like, I was like, oh, that was really cool. It was a great moment just to see that kind of happen in affirmation of like, oh, this is why we talk about the same thing. Yeah. As parents, that we sat in the same message and heard. It definitely affirms that shift for preteen yeah, ministry. And hey, 100%. let's try to make sure that we're setting up families to be able to have conversations. That's a great example of that. Yeah. So, Jason, what about you? Um, Yeah, I think there was a lot of people that... uh resonated with the idea of the hook and the lure. You know, that was a vivid imagery for some people that helped connect the dots on how I keep getting drugged back into these same things over and over and over again. And so I think that was that was some helpful imagery for people. Um, you know, we, we all recognize um, the trials are coming and temptation is there and what are we going to do about it? And so hopefully this gave some language for people to help them figure out, hey, what can I do to stop finding myself in the same situation over and over again? So, uh, yeah, that was the big thing that I heard. Yeah. I mean, and if you are a fisher, like you've caught a fish and looked down and you see a hole in its lip. Yeah. And you're like, well, you're dumb. (laughs) <laughs> What's wrong with you, fish? <laughs> now I'm not like a keep to kill fisher. I'm a throwback right. kind of guy. That's how I was grew up. But I, I thought about that and I was like, oh, that's me. Yeah. That's, I'm dumb. I literally bite the different looking thing, but end up in the same place. That's right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I caught this same fish yesterday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're just not the brightest. Uh, and then, yeah. it, you, like you said, I'm not talking about fish anymore. And you're yeah. I'm like, no, that is me. I, a new lure gets thrown out and it looked good. And I go, it got me again, hmm. again. It got me. Yeah. Again. Are you serious, Jess? Yeah. What's wrong with you? You got another hole in your mouth now. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. Well, hey, uh, we've got some great questions that came in from Sunday's message. Before we get there, let's talk really quickly about. And it doesn't have to be quick. We can take as much time as we want. Let's talk about uh, verse eighteen. Uh, here's what it says. Just for those of you that might be driving or or not close to a Bible or your phone, which you're probably listening to this on right now, but that's beside the point. Uh, here we go. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit 
uh, sorry, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he created. Um, what are, first off, Jason, this is a great opportunity for you to say, hey, why didn't we tackle this on Sunday? Uh, and then let's dive into it a little bit. Yeah, so the reason we didn't tackle it is because uh, there's just, it would take a lot of defining mm-hmm. to try to set the context up for what, what the point of this kind of one verse. We'd have to go in and talk about what does it mean that it gave us birth? What does it mean that it came through the word of truth? And what does it mean that we are a first fruit? You know, those are not phrases that we utilize on an ongoing basis. So um, that's why we kind of just ended with the good news of, hey, our God is good and he does not change like the shifting shadows. Everything he does is good. And so even in that, you get a picture from verses 17 and 18. It does take you back to Genesis that that every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father and he gave us, meaning those who are in Christ, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. The word of truth meaning the gospel, that the gospel of Jesus, for those of us who have come to faith, uh, again, you got to remember this, he is speaking to the very first Christians. Like these are the people who were born, reborn at Pentecost. So when he says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that Birth imagery is the same imagery that Jesus used with Nicodemus, right? That you have been born again. God gave us new birth through the gospel that we, meaning all of these people who came to faith there at the beginning of the Christian era, we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. He, What he did with those people, he wants to do with all people. So first fruits is obviously when you put seed in the ground and the first harvest that comes, it's the first fruit. And those first few uh, seeds that produce fruit are a picture that help you to understand, oh good, this seed took and you can expect more to follow. And that's kind of the imagery that he's using of these uh, believers who came out of Jerusalem. And again, it, it goes all the way back to this picture of God, what he did with Adam and Eve as the first fruits he's redoing with these people here in uh, the church of Jerusalem. So uh, it takes a little bit more to set up and you, yep. we, we could dig in even further, but uh, hopefully it gives a little bit of context of what's going on there, that he's trying to encourage these people um, to be a picture of what's coming next for everybody. Well, even like the whole, this whole uh, context, right? Even 13, 14, and 15 is all the beginning story as well, right? Yeah. Like Eve was enticed and That's it was right. desirable and yeah. then she was lured away, right? That's the right. enemy lured, like yeah. all of that. But again, right. this is the story that they told over and over and over again. So this is why James instantly says it and they would have went, wait a minute, this sounds like, the struggle that's been going on forever. Yep. <laughs> right. That's what they would have uh, went back to in their yep. mind. And so, again, because it is the Jewish people, they knew these stories yep. way more than a, Paul wouldn't have used this for the Gentile believers. Right. But James is very intentional when yep. he uses that kind of language because it's the same thing they heard that, oh, we're doing the very same thing that we've been doing since the very beginning. And we actually, we now have a way to stop that. Yeah, yeah and we had talked about it, even during our sermon planning, mm-hmm. trying to marry those things throughout this sermon, but it, we just didn't have enough time to right. try to, you can lay these two texts beside each other, to Josh's point, verse 13, 14, and 15. You just lay that down beside Genesis chapter 3, and it's it's a, it's a mirror image. It is yeah. what happened. They were tempted, uh, and when it says, uh, no one should say God is tempting me. Mm-hmm. That was the very first thing Adam did. Yeah. Adam said, it was this woman that you put here that yeah. caused this to happen. Yep. Like he blamed God. Yep. Um, and so you can lay that. And so you could do that if you've got a life group that you're uh, talking through, that might even be a fun exercise just to pull out Genesis chapter three and lay it beside these three verses. And you get to see a real life illustration of what James is describing, how we are tempted, how it 
taps into a desire for us. And what was the desire? Well, the enemy came along and said, you can be like God. And that tapped into an evil desire that Eve had. I can be like God? Oh, that makes this even even more desirable. And fell into that trap, is dragged away, and ends up out of the garden and experiences death. Like it is the perfect illustration of what James is trying to yeah, describe. Like literally conceived, mm-hmm. gave birth to sin, and it really legitimately brought death. Yeah. Like a very physical death yeah. um, instantly to yeah. cover their shame, but then the death that they had. Yeah. But then also, obviously, like you said, it's not just that that death that we all experience. This is now the eternal separation death. Mm-hmm. And so that storyline continued up until the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. which again brings us now to verse 18, where he, God, chose to give us new birth. So the birth of sin, I'm sorry, the sin gave birth to death, and it is the gospel that gives birth, again, through the word of truth, through the gospel, to life, to life that starts now and never stops. And these people literally are the first fruits of that. They were the first ones to hear the gospel, and they are the first ones to experience the life that Jesus had called them to. So that's what verse 18 uh, kind of helps paint the and picture. Where does Paul, talk? Paul talks about this idea of first fruits. And is it Corinthians or Romans? Um, I don't think it's Romans. We would have hit it. But he talks about this idea of a, a he picks up this same idea that I think it might be Romans, wasn't it? Uh, but again, it's just a reminder for me, like this was such a big deal. The first fruit idea wasn't it's not unique just to James. Right. Other authors in the New Testament also speak of this kind of language. Um is it the Romans six with Adam and stuff? Yeah, uh, maybe. Hmm. But anyhow. Um Yeah, I mean he uses the language in First Corinthians fifteen. That's but, it. Yeah, it's the um but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits among those who have fallen asleep. Yeah. 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 So it is so he picks the up establishment on the same, of yeah. a new way. Right? Yeah. Like kind of he picks up on that same kind of language. That's yeah. what I thought. I know because yeah, again, go. James James is not the only one who uses this language. No. So again, it's important for us. This was a theme that they would have had. Yeah. And which yeah. makes sense too. They were much more about harvesting things. Yeah. So it would have been natural to them Agrarian. to speak yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. No, I think that's really helpful. Again, I, it definitely, you know, not, I don't think we had the time to be able to do justice to that idea, but definitely wanted to spend some time on it here. Um, but I'm glad we were able to leave our people with some encouragement, and um, uh, but still be able to get to that. Um, let's dig in. We have a, a few good questions from the message on Sunday, so let's dig into those here. Um, and the first one, Jason's about something that we don't do very often, which is the, you know, word study and diving right. deep into the language. That's not something that, or, I mean, there's some, some guys and some yep. churches that lean heavily into that and it's helpful for them and their people, but, uh, we don't fall into that camp. So Mike has this specific question. He says, Jason stated that the word temptation and test or trials are the same word in the Greek. Though that appears to be the case, is it possible that the same word could have a different uh, meanings depending on how they are used? If that is the case, with some words, even in our own English language, James clearly says that God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. It would seem that this word tempted and tempts could have different meanings than trials or tests, but would refer... Um, to the enticement to sin. Please shed some light on this. Well, Mike is 100% correct. And as I read his comment, it made me think, well, what he wrote is what I tried to say, but obviously I didn't say it clearly enough. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe I should have had Mike try to help clarify that because that's exactly what I was trying to get to. Yes, this word is... Uh, It does come from the same root in the Greek, and the way that we define it, whether we define it as test or trial or through temptation, is 
contextual clues. It's how it's used in a sentence. It's how it's used in a paragraph that helps us determine whether or not we're talking about a test or we're talking about a temptation. And as I tried to say on Sunday, but obviously didn't say it clearly enough, was the what helps us to understand whether it's a test or trial or whether it's temptation is all about the motivation of the one who's giving the test or trial or temptation. Mm-hmm. If it is in a way that is meant to build up or to make someone stronger, that is a test or a trial. If it's if it's used in a way that is meant to tear someone down or to take someone out, then that would be that would be defined as the temptation. And so 100%, Mike, you are 100% right. It is the same word. And the way that we determine its meaning is through the contextual clues of how it's used. If it's used in a way to build up, we know that that is the test or a trial. If it's used in a way that the motivation is to tear someone down, uh, then we can we can put the word temptation in there because somebody who's using it in a way uh, to try to get someone to fail. So hopefully yeah. that clarifies that. Uh, thanks, Mike, for bringing some clarity there. You're 100 percent right. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like it's so he doesn't change topics. That's the most helpful right. part of this. Yeah, because we instantly then disconnect trial from temptation and all of those things. Um, you know, uh, up to the again because the first part is all about God giving us these trials for perseverance' sake. Right. Right. Um, but there's also another side of when trials come. Yeah. There also comes temptation to walk away or to quit or to do all those things or to sin because you're frustrated and mad yep. and angry. And so, again, it's it's the both sides of the perspective, I think, yep. of what James is trying to set us up for. Again, like you said, we just see child, we have put them in different camps. Right. I, I think that's the acknowledgement here is very clearly our way we use them are very different. Yeah. And they didn't have that. So I thought it was really helpful just to point that out. Again, um, there are sometimes those words really matter yep. and how they're used are really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Let's uh, jump into the next question. Courtney asks this. She says, although God does not tempt us himself as opposed to trials or tests, is it theologically accurate to say that the <clears throat> Lord is faithful in kind to provide us uh, ways of escape from the temptations of the world, the devil and our flesh. Uh, Courtney, that is a great question. And I, I assume you recognize uh, because you're a smart lady uh, that essentially you just quoted first Corinthians 10, 13. So just to give some context for everybody else, first Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So to answer her question is, again, she's 100% right, that God does not tempt us. And any temptation that comes our way, um, this text promises that God is faithful, even in that temptation, to provide us a way out. So I'd like to just riff on this for just a yeah. moment. Uh, when we're talking about temptation, the the thing that stands out in this text here, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And I think that is such an important piece for us to be reminded of that Whatever temptation that you are going through, whatever temptation comes your way, it is not unique. One of the things that the enemy tries to convince us of is that your situation is unique, that this temptation that you're enduring is unlike anybody else's. And sure, they cannot fall into the temptation, but they don't have temptation like you have. And so because it's unique to you, it's okay for you to give into it because they don't have that. It's just not true. There is no temptation that any of us has endured that the saints before us have not already endured. So when the enemy tries to convince us that you're special, you, you're, you're so unique, nobody else has to deal with it, it can give us a sense of uh, an excuse of why it is that we continue to give in to this temptation. So none of our temptation is unique. And then secondly, God is faithful. He is faithful. And what is he faithful to? He is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Again, hang on to that thought for just a second. Even in writing this verse, there is a picture of God holding back the power of temptation. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So there's three of us sitting in this room, Mm -hmm. and there could be a temptation sitting on the table, and there may be a, a... that Brendan has uh, from one to 10, he has a, he has the power of, you know, nine to fight this temptation. And maybe Josh's power is eight and mine is four. And there's this picture that God would hold back that temptation so that it would only get to a four for me and only an eight for you and a nine for you that God is going to, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So he's going to set a limit on how powerful that temptation is for you. And I just think that is so, such an amazing picture of the grace of God on a personal level for every one of us. So no temptation. I'm sorry, do you want to pop Yeah, that's really, really good. Just on that for a second, a couple of things. That is incredibly helpful because when you're in it, right? When you're in the temptation, it feels like there's, I'm never going to get out of this, yeah. right? There's nothing that I can do to fight this. So this helps us understand that like we aren't powerless here. Yeah. Um, and, and I just thought that was a, a really good insight, for, especially for people, right, that we talked to yesterday that are, hey, maybe you have this thing and it's like the, the fish hook, the lure you keep going yeah. back to. Um, just having that, uh, even if it's just cognizant, understanding that, it is not more than what you can handle. That's right. And then the third piece of it, it says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So what that means is there is there's never going to be a situation that God puts us in or allows us to put ourselves in. There's never going to be a situation where sin is our only option. And again, I think that's part of the the thing that we buy into is the only option I have is to fall into this. And he says, no, 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 there is a way out. Now, I think it's important to note, and this is the bad news piece that we have to, it doesn't say, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you don't and don't have to be tempted. Yeah. It's not what he says. It doesn't say, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so the temptation goes away. It's not what he says. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. It doesn't mean the temptation is going to go away, but it does mean that you'll have the strength and ability to fight it. And so we will still have to endure the temptation. It doesn't mean he's taking it away. And so, yeah, therein lies the perseverance conversation that correct. we had a couple of weeks ago or last week, whenever that yeah. was. Um, that's really good. Would you have something else on that, Jason? No, well, again, I just, thanks, Courtney, for yeah. writing that in. And again, this text, whether you, and I think you probably did, you, this is the verse that helps give us hope in the midst of our temptation. God is faithful. Doesn't mean he's going to take it away. And again, that's that's our hope. That's what we all want, right? Yeah. We all want the temptation just to stop. But he says, you'll have the ability to endure it. You won't have to ever be in a situation where sin's the only option. Man, I would just say, like, part of it too is, back to the series we did before this of the Holy Spirit, like, because he is living in me, there there is way out. I have been, I've already been given this power. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to wonder, right? And so again, it's, some of that is like, again, and Paul would have because he talked about it in 1 Corinthians multiple times about the Spirit now lives in you. That's a part of this too, is in these moments of temptation, I, I could go sin or I could choose the fruit path of, of perseverance or pay, whatever it looks like that, that's there and tap into what I've already been given. Yep. I think sometimes as believers, we forget that. Like we forget that we've already been given access to the Spirit of God living inside of us to find a way and be empowered to to make it through that, right? It's just kind of actually living by it and actually using it, I think. It's part of the pro- I, I just don't think we do enough. So well, that's a great segue yeah, to so another question that we had. We've got oh. that. Well, two, Courtney had a follow-up to this, and then her follow-up and Stephanie's question that she asked kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. So Courtney's follow-up is, 
to the question we just answered. Uh, Is it as simple as listening to the Holy Spirit and choosing whatever path of truth and righteousness that is revealed to us? And then Stephanie's question is, would you please discuss some strategies for cooperating with the Spirit? I love the way that she phrased that based on our our series, uh, trying to understand the Holy Spirit. So is there, uh, can you discuss some strategies for cooperating with the Spirit to fight uh, for new desires and reject evil desires? So, great question on both of you guys. Um, And I would go back to week seven of our Holy Spirit series. So I don't know if we can put that in the show notes here. Let's throw a link to that. But week seven of our Holy Spirit series that we just came out of, and the question that we tried to answer in that sermon was how to be led by the Spirit, right? How, How does that happen? And we tapped into Galatians chapter five, We're in Galatians 5. We have, and I quoted it this weekend, right? So I say, walk by the Spirit. That's verse 16. Uh, Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit. Uh, Verse 25 in Galatians 5 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So there's this, all of this imagery, walk, led, live, keep in step with, there's all of this imagery of me and the Spirit moving in the same direction toward a goal. And so I think uh, both Courtney and Stephanie, you're, you're asking, how do we do that? And so in that message, I shared a few things. Uh, I think there was four of them. And the first one was simply to make your mission to glorify Jesus. Like we first have to surrender to Jesus and determine that I'm going to live my life to glorify Jesus. So that's the first thing that we have to do. If you doesn't matter what what else you do outside of that. Yeah. If you're not doing that, if you haven't determined to do that, then you're not keeping in step with the Spirit. Right. The second one was uh, read the Word. That's right. Yeah. So the second was read yeah. the Word, right? Because if I want to know what the Spirit is trying to accomplish, he's already given me his word. He's told me, I don't have to guess. Like we recognize that it is the Holy Spirit who gave us the scripture. He's going to tell us his plan and his will and his desires, even through his word. Um, And then I think this is what Courtney mentioned. Then we got to begin to listen for his voice, right? That, that, that there is a way that the scripture wants to speak. And I shared some instances of ways that we experience that. Sometimes it's an impression. So today I get to the office and even as I'm coming in, there were two people that were on my heart this morning. And uh, one of them was someone who had been a big part of our church for a while and then has just dropped off. And I'd had a, a conversation or two several months ago, but I came in today and that person was on my heart. And well, I actually started last night, woke up again this morning. So I sent a text first thing this morning and, and the person thanked me and said, we need to talk. I'll, can I call you this afternoon? And so I'm, I'm trusting that that, impression this morning that I'm experiencing of this person who I don't do life every day with, but they, they'd taken a step back from their faith or seemingly so that I needed to have that conversation. And so we're, we're going to trust that when the spirit is speaking in those ways, that we're going to, we're going to listen for that and act upon it. So, which is number four. (laughs) Yeah. And it obey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You just got to do the thing. <laughs> then, it, then the last one was just obey him, like yeah. to keep in step with the spirit. And we're going to talk about this even more this coming weekend. So James is going to hit on this topic uh, several times through the book of James. And it is the obey him piece that when he reveals his truth through his word, when he puts impressions into our life or speaks into us, mm-hmm through other people, like what, what, however he's speaking into us, that we're actually going to take the step to obey him. And I think if we do that, that's what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. So uh, if again, to put it into the context of this, of this weekend, for us to, to hear him, to, to put into practice what he's asking us to do, to walk in step with the Spirit— it comes down to the obedience piece. So 
when it when we're talking about temptation, we know what he's called us to do. We know what he's called us to stay away from. And when we hear that voice in the back of our head that says, "You ought to go do this," doesn't it look shiny? You can do it. It's gonna make. It's gonna feel that we actually put that to death by the power of the Spirit and take the exit route that the Spirit provides because God is faithful to always give us a way out. Really good honorable mention for Stephanie's sake um, because she would be mad at me if one of us didn't say this on that specifically, right? When we're talking about sin, especially the the reoccurring sin in our lives that pops up over and over again. And we don't just find ourselves in the middle of it. Right. There is a there is a starting point to the temptation and then there yes. is an ending point once you have committed that yeah. sin. We don't just randomly find ourselves in the middle of it. Right. right. So part of uh CTO, right, has this tool that they just call renewing your mind. And part of uh that process is catching yourself as early as you can in whatever that sin pattern or behavior. Mm-hmm. It is so really quickly, and we can link this in the show notes too, I'm sure, uh via a PDF or a link or whatever. Um, it's a, a five-step sort of thing. Renewing your mind. First, catch yes. your thoughts and attitudes. Yep. Um, second is confess. Uh, literally just confess those uh, thoughts or attitudes to God. The third is to claim. Uh, claim the Holy, Spower, uh, the Holy Spirit's power uh, over your sinful thoughts and attitude. Uh, force your mind to change uh, in your attitudes. So fix your eyes on Jesus, right? Uh, and then repeat. Just do that over and over and over again, but you've got to start somewhere and you've got to try to catch yourself early. The most important is one, literally, like yeah. I said, if you Stop. can catch it, if you can just catch that thought before it gets to sin, right? If it comes in and catch it, which goes back to another one in the series in the Holy Spirit series, another sermon in the Holy Spirit series about the fruits of the spirit versus the fruits of the flesh, mm. right? Like my, again, like yesterday you were talking about the third piece of, or one of the three ways in which we are um, enticed or tempted mm-hmm. is us. Yeah. And what I, I always kept thinking was that series again of from the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5 again, that is by nature what I am. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not an accident that I think of these things yeah. because by nature I am. And so I actually need new desires and, oh, God has given me those because he's given me the Spirit. They are his fruit. Yep. That's how I grow more of that versus what's by nature really easy to grow because that's what I am, right? I am those things. And I think that was the most helpful part when with the tree, that's the tree sermon for those of you who remember that, is the things on the one side we're all guilty of. Yeah. And it's actually really simple, yeah. right? Like it's it's not a hard thing. And so again, that's the, the struggle. So you said we don't just need, uh, how would you say yesterday? We don't just need something. We need new desires. Mm-hmm. W- I can't naturally get those on my own. Right. Yeah. Like I have, I have to have the spirit of God in me to do that. And I have, like, that's the part. Like I actually do have the spirit of God in me. And so I do see little victories where I have these desires for goodness and grace and mercy. And I love you with that list that you made in that sermon. That's not the extent of what God's character is. There's so many other things. And so I just need to, I think some of that is I need to claim that too more and go, Oh, wait a minute. That's not natural Josh. That is, wait a minute, that's a spirit working in me. I think we focus so much on the negative because it's so easy to see. I think we also need to encourage and see in our life some of that positive stuff. So when I see it in other people, I'm like, hey, man, I know. I know that's not by nature something you would do. Man, you are walking and living by the spirit. And I think it helps to encourage people to go, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Because we by nature always go to the, to the bad, at least some of us. So I'd, this is one more opportunity. As you're dealing with temptation, and especially for the temptation that, Josh, as you mentioned, we keep going back to. Like I, I've got holes in my lips and scars in my face that I've been doing this one thing for Forever. 15 years. James, we'll get to it at the end of the book of James, but one of the things that he's going to point us to is that we need to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other so that we can be healed. That one of the gifts that God has given us to help break this sin cycle is we have to say it out loud. Like, we can be forgiven. First John 1, 9, confess your sins to God and be forgiven. But the reality is most of us, 
that sin that we keep going back to, that we keep getting lured by over and over and over. You've prayed to God a hundred times for him to take that temptation away. You've prayed for God to, to give you the strength to say no. And, and yet you keep falling into it. This is me waving the banner again for discipleship groups of you have to have people who can help you do this too. That that's why we have the church. That's why we have believers. We confess these to one another. And when we begin to pull those things out of the darkness, all of a sudden the lure that we've been so easily given ourselves over to, it it begins to lose its power when we show it off to other people. And they look at it and say, oh, that's the thing you... Let's let's yeah. step away from that, and and there's there is healing that comes when we share those with other people. And yeah. it's again the reason why this is connected, I think, to trials is because there's no, at least for me in my life, no worse time for me to slide into really bad habits is when I'm stressed and under trial. Yeah, like those are when they just rear their ugly because that's the easiest, the yeah. comfort. Yeah, like it's so much more comfortable for me to do X, Y, or Z than to pray and be disciplined and like those kinds of things are hard you know spiritual disciplines right they're hard work so when trial comes it's like the natural response of like i would like this to go away as fast as possible so i'm just going to self medicate and do whatever i need to do and that's why i think these are again so important that we link them together because again i just know personally in my own life under trial is whew, old josh just comes out cuz i'm like oh the, the enemy for me is like, hey, you got a real easy way you can get rid of that or at least feel better, yeah. right? Like, I know you feel really bad right now. So, hey, you could do this and you feel really good about mm. yourself, at least momentarily. Yeah. Like that's the that's the uh, the desire piece. And so, again, I think it's so important to remember. And so that's even more so, like we talked about yesterday, is why I need people mm-hmm. in these moments to remind me of these things, to cheer me on and encourage me because it's really easy to slip back into the old self, right? Um, all the old things that you used to do to deal with your sin, right? It's, those are, again, those are the natural way. Yep. That's where the natural man is what Paul talks about in other places mm-hmm. too. So That's really good. All right, anything else on uh, James 1, uh, 13 through 18? No, I think that got it. Awesome. Uh, this coming week, uh, it's it's going to get hard. This is where the rubber meets the road and that whole obedience piece is, is yeah. where we're going to be talking about this week. So it's the big one. Bring your helmet. <laughs> <laughs> bring your steel-toed uh, shoes. Here we go. We're going to work, huh? We're going to work. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you again real soon.